Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. And to feel the power of faith being transmitted from you to each other. In fact, there were certain places I stopped. I thought to myself, they really don't need me here. They are doing quite well. They're transmitting all the faith that is needed for the miracle that is required. And I moved on. In conjunction with the scriptures I read last night, I want to draw your attention to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11. In the book of Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12, Jesus makes a very unusual statement, I think. He says here in Matthew 11:12, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. If you look at the last chapter of the Gospel of Mark, again, Jesus is speaking at the end of his earthly ministry, he had this final admonition for his disciples and those of his followers. He said in verse 15, Mark chapter 16, verse 15, he says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Turn to your neighbor, look them right in the eye, and say, That means you. And it does. In verse 16, he goes on to say, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs, everyone say signs, shall follow them that believe. Say, I am a believer. In my name, what is his name? Say it again. You feel like shouting it? You can feel the air shimmer and tremble at the mention of his name. In my name, Jesus, shall they cast out devils. See, I have that power. They shall speak with new tongues. See, I do it every day. I really think we should. It's just nice to know Jesus is around. They shall take up serpents. That means accidentally. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. <laughs> and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. I've thought about this in the last year. What an incredible insurance policy I'm covered with. When you think about it. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Say that power is inside of me. Say, I want to get it out. The Bible says in verse 20 of the same chapter, they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. It does not say they were working with the Lord in some lowly servitude attitude or position. It says the Lord was working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Would you lift your voices and your hearts and would you pray with me just for a moment before you're seated? Don't worry about your neighbor next to you. Ask God what you want to ask him. Tell him the thing that you want to tell him tonight. Lord Jesus, in this house tonight, 
I feel the awesome, miraculous presence of God. By the authority of the Word of God, by the power of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I release the gift of faith to these people here tonight. May we never be the same again. I'm asking for the anointing of the Holy Ghost, O oh God, upon us, both to hear and to speak, that you will remove all fear from this congregation, all intimidation and hesitation. Help us to be obedient to the touch of the Master's hand, to the sound of the voice of the Master himself. I pray now that you will bind us together in one mind and one accord. We will not fail to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. We ask these things in the matchless, resplendent, all-powerful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. You may go down clapping. Would you clap your hands with all of your might? Would you once again shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph? because there is triumph in this house tonight. Jesus name I am a believer I thoroughly totally believe the Word of God when I came into this I did not have to be a preacher there are a lot of other things I could have done in life and no doubt have been successful at it but it just so happens when this came into my life I realized that this was the truth this is not half truth this is not part truth this is the truth this is that which was prophesied by the prophets of old that in the last days saith God I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh another that is not coming this is that you can come from anything to this but you cannot go from this to anything else because there is nothing else to go to this is the end of the line and I've got it and I know that I've got it and everything else is secondary I feel like clapping tonight I feel like shouting the victory I feel like being confident because of the power that is inside of us. It is written, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There is no devil out there or combination of devils that is greater than what is in this house here tonight. Why should you let the devil torment you? He does not have me on the run. I have him on the run. He is a loser. His battle is over. His future is determined. He's going up, down rather, but this church is going up. And I'm a part of the up crowd, if you understand what I'm saying. He just thinks he's up, but he fears us more than anyone else on the face of the earth. The devil fights good things, not bad things. If he's given you a bad time, keep doing what you're doing because you're on the right track. And he's afraid. He is worried. Would you clap again? Would you just worship Jesus? 
because there was a day when some of you were serving the devil. You were in bars and discos and ball games and all kinds of world entertainment tapping. But tonight we've come to clap for Jesus. We've come to shout for him. We've come to worship him because he is great and he is mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. It is, it is a total profound understanding and truth that you become the thing that you give yourself to. Where your attention is, there is your destiny. Whatever you give yourself to is the thing you become. It is as inevitable as the stream merging with the ocean at last. I don't want to just know about Jesus. I want to know him. I do not want, I reiterate from last night, to be just a traditional Pentecostal. I want to be an apostolic Pentecostal. I want to be a real Christian. If I'm going to be in this, I want everything it's got to offer for me. I don't want to live on the periphery. I don't want to live on the edge of this. I want to be on the inner circle. Why not? You students from Gateway, hear me tonight. Someone is going to be mightily used by God before this thing is over. It might as well be you. It might as well be me. Why not? Why do we always relegate this to another age, another person, somebody else? God has never had anybody perfect to work with. He's always used the best he had. I'm not that much, but I'm going to give him everything I've got. If God can use somebody else, he can use me. If he did it for ex-fishermen, then he can use me. If he could use Paul, who was a murderer, he can use me. God's going to make a way where there is no way. We've got nothing to lose, everything to gain. The world does what it wants to without any apology at all. Why shouldn't we come to the house of God or in the stores or wherever we are, in the school, and just tear it up for Jesus? Why not? We've got nothing to lose, everything to gain. I am a product of what I have seen and what I have experienced. And a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man who has an argument. Never. In conjunction, in continuation with some of the things I was stating here last night, when I was at Apostolic Bible Institute, my second year, I couldn't afford to go home for the Christmas holiday. I just couldn't. So I decided I would stay in the little apartment complex I had rented. And I thought to myself, and the students were all gone, I took off two or three days from work, and I thought, you know, really, we've got this thing backwards here. This is supposed to be in celebration of the birthday of Jesus. So, I will give him the only gift I'm able to give him. I'm going to fast and pray for three days and nights without food and water. I don't recommend that, but I felt to do it. I think you should drink water when you fast. But on this occasion, I didn't. I fasted for three days and three nights, and I ended it Christmas Day night. And I gave it as a gift to Jesus. Thanksgiving it was for what he'd done for me, the way he'd made, for what I had in knowledge of salvation. And I weigh about 201 pounds now. I weighed 145 then. 
the fasting was very difficult for me. And I got to the point that second day, I walked in that little kitchen in that little apartment complex I had and turned the faucet on and watched the water run. And tears just ran down my face. I wanted a drink so badly, but I wouldn't drink it. At one point, I just rinsed my mouth out and spit it back into the sink and walked away crying and knelt down beside the bed in the other room and prayed and thanked Jesus. At the end of that three days, that Christmas Day night, I prayed and thanked God for what he had done. And then I just ate some broth and melted some crackers in it and drank a lot of water. And after a while, two or three days, whatever, the students came back. And in those days, I taught personal evangelism classes on Sunday afternoon at the school. Lots of the students came. We waited the snow, sub-zero weather, and we witnessed to all kinds of people. We had explosions in the Sunday night services. It was wonderful. In fact, I remember Brother Norris on one occasion took red ribbon and roped off, roped off sections of pews just to seat the guest I brought on Sunday night. I've always been a fanatic. If I'm going to be a fanatic about anything, I'd rather have it be Jesus than anything else. Why not? And the older I get, the tougher I get, and the worse I get. So I'm just into all kinds of things where Jesus is concerned. But back there on that first class on Sunday afternoon, the students were there, and we had a move of God in that class that day. And uh, I always did a little teaching and instructing on soul winning. And all of a sudden, a girl, a very attractive student, came, and she was crying. She said, Brother Stone King, I found out while I was home for Christmas holiday, I've got this terribly something wrong in my body. I only came back to pack my bags. I have to go back for surgery. She said, but would you pray for me? I said, yes, I will. And she came walking right down a little carpeted aisle there where we were, and she knelt on the floor, and I just reached this right hand forward and laid my hand on her head and prayed in the name of Jesus Christ. And she was crying and trembling. Her hands were shaking. I'll never forget it. And other students gathered around and began to worship. And then all of a sudden, she jumped up and she ran out. Well, you never know why people run out of altars or whatever. So we went on just with the worship. And about 15, 20 minutes later, she came running back into that room. She cried out, interrupted everything. She said, Brother Stone King, she said, students, I've gone to the ladies' room. I've checked everything. She said, everything is gone. She said, everything is gone. A miracle. A miracle. When that happened, there was one of those boys from the school, one of those students came. He said, Brother Stone King, my little sister is in the hospital in tubes and wires. They can't do anything for her or with her. The doctors don't even know what the problem is. He said, could I stand in for her? Would you pray for me as if it was her? I said, yes, I will. And that boy came and lifted his hands and just sobbed and spoke with tongues. And I laid hands on him and the students gathered around and we prayed in Jesus' name. And it settled down after a while. We went out and a witness. We got to church that night about 7 o'clock. And I saw him coming. He ran toward me. He grabbed me. He said, Brother Strunking, listen. He said, when I got back from canvassing, I called my father. My father had been trying to reach me. He said, they don't know what happened. He said, but my father said that 
the hospital called him and told him that my little sister had come out of the coma whatever and was dancing on the floor of the hospital room had broken the wires and the tubes and she was dancing on the floor speaking with tongues and they wanted them to come and get her that is the kind of believer that I am that is the kind of Jesus that I serve if you want that kind of Jesus if you are that kind of believer would you clap your hands with joy with confidence hallelujah hallelujah I got out of school and I went to upstate New York and began to pastor in Schenectady in the early 70s. I, I did all kinds of things. I did street work. We had tent meetings. I canvassed. We, we did all kinds of things to win the lost because the church that I took was a very small church and we wanted it to grow. We wanted revival. Well, I was always making hospital calls and all kinds of things. And there was a mole that developed right here on my throat and began to grow very fast. It turned an ugly dark brown. That is a very bad sign. And um, the, the, the collar of my white shirt with the tie and all the things I was doing, it irritated. So at night when I would take the shirt off and open the, 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 the collar, it was just inflamed all around about an inch of just red rash. It was getting bigger. And so one night I came in and um, I opened the collar and, and took the shirt off and just stood and looked at it. And I just took these three fingers right here and I laid them on that ugly mole and I said, I curse you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all I did. After a while I went in and fell into bed. Next morning I got up and I walked into the bathroom and looked in the mirror and it had dried up in the night. I took my finger and touched it. It fell off in my hand. It was gone. Say power. Say power. Say power. Don't hurt them, but nudge your neighbor to really wake them up and say, I've got that kind of power. Say, because I am a believer. Say, I am a believer. These signs shall follow them that believe. It is written. It is written. It is written. These signs shall follow them that believe. I am a believer. And then I we pitched an old tent. It was pitiful, really, dilapidated, tears in it, rips in it. And we set it in a Roman Catholic area where there were seven Catholic churches. We had all kinds of visitors that came out of the shadows at night. Even the priests came. One of them was afraid to come, and he got drunk before I got there. I had to take him in my car back to the rectory after the meeting was over. But it stirred up the neighborhood. All kinds of things happened. One night, there was a guy outside that didn't like what was going on. And he had his thug friends with him. And he was out there boasting when the service was over, he was going to do me in. 
Well, I just preached and did my thing. And uh, people came to the altar and cried and prayed. And there were people getting the Holy Ghost in that particular tent revival. And uh, when several people were gone already, I saw this man come. He just came stomping down that grassy aisle. He just told his friends, he said, I'm going to wipe that preacher out. Well, I just stood there, just very calm, and just looked right into his eyes as he walked down the aisle. And he stopped just about right there at the beginning of that second pew and just stared at me. And I noticed his hands began to go like this. His knees began to shake. He suddenly turned and ran out of there. I found out later, he told his friends, there was an angel standing behind that man. I may look like I'm alone, but I am not alone. I am never alone. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him. You've got an angel that walks with you, guards you. He's there morning, noon, and night. It shook that entire area up because the news spread that an angel had appeared in that tent. Then I was summoned downtown connected to the chief of police headquarters for questioning. I took a drug addict I'd won to God with me. We walked in. I said, Your Honor, what can I do for you? He said, What are you doing over there? I said, Well, I'm preaching the gospel. Didn't faze him. I said, In fact, this young man here, whom you could do nothing with on the streets, his parents couldn't help him either. You're ready to imprison him. But the gospel I preach has delivered him. Hear him. And that boy stepped forward and told how Jesus had miraculously delivered him from heroin and addiction to drugs and LSD. I watched that big old policeman. His hands began to shake on that desk because he could feel something he'd never felt before. He said, you guys get out of here. He didn't want any more to do with what he had felt. I said, really? I wanted to stay. <laughs> he said, I'll send cop cars to police the area to protect you. And he did. We had police protection every night of the entire tent revival. You know why? Because I've got a hold of something that this world knows nothing about. And it causes a confidence. It will cause a boldness to come upon you. You don't have to fear the people you work for or work with. You don't have to fear society. You don't have to fear the devil or anything else. If you really believe that, you ought to be on your feet shouting the victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You've got a hold of it, boy. You've got a hold of it. I can hear people shouting, I've got it. I feel like shouting with them. I've got it. I've got it. I've got this. Power.
in that same, it's marvelous what I feel. It's wonderful what I feel in this house tonight. Jesus. Jesus, I worship you. Jesus, I praise you. Oh. In that same tent revival, there was a boy from the local high school. He was quite an athlete. He was a handsome chap, and he was a star pupil. I mean, he was just, you know, the idol of the school, so to speak. Well, he came to this tent revival and sat on the front row right over here. And he had this little box that was a laughing box. They could turn it on, there'd be just loud laughter. And he kept turning that on while I'm trying to preach. It was very, very, very distracting. And I tried to keep the victory and just do what's right. And so I just kept preaching away. All of a sudden, when I stepped down, that I noticed tears were running down this boy's face. And he laid the box down. He got to his feet in front of all of his high school friends and came and knelt down in that grass and knelt, leaned his head over and began to sob. And I went down and knelt beside him and my people stood and began to worship. And I prayed with him and I said, what's happened to you, son? He said, Brother Stone King. He said, that's what they call you, right? I said, yes. He said, Brother Stone King. He said, while you were preaching, he said, I saw a lighthouse come right up out of the platform. He said, on the top, there was a light going around. And he said, the light stopped, and the beams shined down upon me. And he said, I knew the God you were preaching was after me, so I've come. The power of God. We, we are entering into right now one of the most glorious demonstrations of the mysterious and miraculous from the Holy Ghost that we've ever been in in the 42 years I've been in this. There are astounding things beginning to happen. We took that boy to the church and baptized him that night in Jesus' name against all the wishes of his family, against the wishes of his denominational pastor. He came out of the water rejoicing. Because Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened to any of us. Can you remember the day when he first came into your life? Can you remember when he first called your name? Yes! And then, I won a girl from the high school. She'd been an orphan. Raised in a Catholic orphanage, and I didn't know that. One night, she and a group of teenagers were in my apartment. I was entertaining those kids. And uh, she got to crying. She said, I just can't make it. Brother Stone King, I can't make it. Like I was here, and there were a couple here, and two or three here around, but she was on this corner of the table. And the Holy Ghost came on me and the spirit of prophecy. And I leaned on the table, and the Holy Ghost spoke and called her by name. And Jesus said, Susan, I watched you as a little girl walk between Catholic nuns from statue to statue. And when they prayed, I felt your emptiness, and I've made a way for you to find the fullness of me. She fell on my table sobbing from that day forward. She knew she could make it. She's a pastor's wife today. I knew nothing about her being raised in a Catholic orphanage, and she had walked between Catholic nuns that made her go from statue to statue and pray. 
the miraculous, what we have a hold of, is the most glorious thing in all of creation. Why, why give yourself to this world and the shallowness of it when you can be involved in the realm of the supernatural and the miraculous and you can do things. If you live for God, you young people, if you live for God and you give him your lives, you'll get to do the things that other people read about in books. You'll have a glorious life. You'll have a wonderful life because you'll never outgive him. You'll never stand at the judgment bar of God and hear anybody say, but Jesus, I gave more than you gave. It'll never happen. You'll never outgive him. You give him your life, he'll give it back to you miraculously. He'll heal your body. He'll make a way for you where there is no way because he's a way maker. Hallelujah. That revival was over. I went back to pastoring. That girl, Susan, and her husband called me one day. She said, Brother Stone King, one of my relatives, she said she was her little girl, about, about a year and a half, two years of age, something like that, maybe about three, because she was a pretty good-sized two-year-old. I guess she was about three. She had been in, put in little plastic, you know, those little pools they have in the backyard. The mother was watching through the window over the sink. And she got busy, the mother, as you do women in kitchens and doing all kinds of things and forgot to keep looking. And after a while, when she looked out, the little girl was lying face down in the water, motionless. And they had called the ambulance and they rushed the child to the hospital. And she was in convulsions. The eyes were rolling around and around in the head. And Susan called. She said, Brother Stunking, would you please go to the hospital and would you pray? I said, yes, I will. So I was at Ellis Hospital. <coughs> And so I said to Susan, you and your husband come with me. I want you to see this because I knew what would happen. It's a great thing to have confidence in Jesus. We went to the hospital and we found the floor and uh, they were walking behind me. We got to the door, I looked in. The child was all alone in a little crib by herself in isolation. And they had these white sheets over the abdomen, the feet, the hands, the arms were all tied in. The body was convulsing against those sheets, the strappings. <coughs> and I could see the eyes rolling even from the doorway. And as I stepped at the door, I began to sing a little chorus. The healer's coming down the road. The healer's coming down the road. Jesus is coming down the road. He can save and he can heal. Just tell him what you need. Jesus is coming down the road. The healer's coming down the road. And as I reached the side of the crib and looked down, the eyes had stopped rolling and the child was looking into my face and they released her from the hospital the next morning. These things have changed my life. I can tell you authoritatively here tonight, the healer is coming down the road of many of your lives here tonight. He can save and he can heal. Just tell him what you need. He'll make a way where there is no way. Would you lift your hands and just love him and entertain him and just court him, as it were, for a moment? Because I know he is speaking 
to a number of you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Mm. Isn't it absolutely wonderful to feel the presence of a living God? I mean, you may have talked with the king today, the queen, or the president. But I talked to God, and he talked to me. Tremendous. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I saw something in the early and mid-1970s. I was invited to go to a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They were related to the older couple I lived with at that time and while I pastored that first church. These people never went to a doctor for anything, nothing. They believed God for everything. Didn't even take aspirin. It was amazing. I went there and preached. A lot of people fought them because they thought they were just too far out. They were too spiritual, people said. They were fanatics. I like people like that. So I went. I never saw anything like it. Way back there, there were 70 some that got the Holy Ghost. 50 were baptized in Jesus' name. There were all kinds of healings and miracles. There was a beauty queen that came, I think it was from Florida, and got the Holy Ghost. News spread everywhere. People came from everywhere to that meeting. But one Sunday afternoon, the pastor called me and said, Brother Stone King, one of our teenage girls was on a stepladder in the pantry reaching for something and fell off the ladder and she's broken her hand and the bone is coming through the top of the hand and we've got to pray for her first thing as the service begins tonight. I'm thinking, oh, I go to church. I've never seen anything quite like this. And so she's there, and she's on the front row. The hand is swollen. She's in pain. I mean, her eyes are swollen. He steps down, takes a bottle of oil. He said, Brother Stone King, come. He said to her, come. And she came up there, and the whole audience stood at a large church. They, they all stood. And I'll never, I'll never forget this. I didn't, I prayed with my eyes open. I wanted to watch this like some of you want to watch things. <clears throat> he anointed her with oil and prayed for her in Jesus' name. And I watched. He had a hold of her hand. I watched that bone withdraw before our eyes. And when it slipped totally back under the skin, it was just gone. The girl went like this. Ah! and took off dancing and shouting. That is how the service began. It began that way. 
not ending that way. It began that way. My God in heaven, if we could start the way we ended last night, there's no telling what would happen. It takes about 45 minutes to get people back in the groove again, back in the spirit. Why don't we just come and throw ourselves right into it, get in where you were, take off from where you left off last night. If you were running last night, run the first thing. Just run the first thing. If you were shouting, shout, dance, whatever you were doing, speak with tongues. If we could just begin, Brother Green, the way we ended last night. <clears throat> oh. In that same revival, a sinner girl came with her boyfriend on a Sunday morning. She had broken her arm in a car accident. There were steel pins in the arm, and she could only open the arm just this far. She could never do this, just this far. They're back here on this aisle over here, about halfway back. During the song service, just before I get up to preach, the Holy Ghost, to get the faith was in that place, and the Holy Ghost walked up to her. These are sinners. Mm. And she went, ah, and screamed. The arm opened. We don't know what happened to the pins. The arm just opened. Her boyfriend nearly fainted. I mean, he was to in a total state of derision. She came to the altar to end the preaching. She had a micro miniskirt. Just I mean, so much mascara, it was unbelievable. Eyeshadow, everything. And as she stood there, weeping and crying, it just looked worse and worse. It just began to run down in black lines. Ladies, that's why you don't need it. Because if you get in the presence of Jesus, he'll just wash it off. <laughs> Hallelujah. All of a sudden, she turned and ran out. And as I said, you don't always know where they're running out. About 20 minutes later, she came back in. There was a, there was a, a wide hem in that miniskirt. And she'd gone to the ladies' room and took a fingernail file, and she cut all of the threads out of that hem and pulled that hem down with threads hanging. and It just looked awful. But at least it was about four inches longer than it had been. She, I didn't preach on holiness. I didn't preach on modesty. I didn't preach. But, but in the presence, she realized she was in the presence of holiness. The presence and power of God. She realized that she was not properly attired. She came right straight back, didn't say one thing, raised her hands, worshiped God. In less than five minutes, she had the baptism of the Holy Ghost, speaking with tongues. I'm an eyewitness to the power of God and His effect upon humanity. There is no power like His power. There is nothing that will affect you like Him. There is nothing that can affect you or will affect you like Him. <clears throat> Jesus. After being admitted to the hospital in Sydney, been lying on a floor dead, for 30 minutes at the airport. My body was cold. 
the blood was coagulating in my hands, my forearms, my feet, and the calves of my legs. When I was admitted, Brother Slack and some men were with him. The doctor looked at me and said, we've got to cut him open immediately to even try to save his life. Brother Black's, Brother Slack rather said, no, we'll pray. And right in front of everybody, they all threw their hands in the air in that emergency operating room and, and began to pray and speak with tongues. Either we've got it or we don't got it. Either it works or it does not work. I'm here to say we've got it and it works. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. What I didn't know was that there were blood clots in the heart, and they were terribly worried about that. They said, we've got to do this. After the praying, they took another set of x-rays. They brought the x-rays back. The blood clots had all disappeared. I saw the head doctor in November of this last year. He said, we don't know what happened to those blood clots. And in his British way, he said, he said, there were many unusual things about your case. He said, a bit of a miracle, really. I said, it wasn't a bit of a miracle. It was a real miracle. And you know it. <laughs> he, he had no choice but to admit it. And then the doctor said, even if he regains consciousness, he will not be able to speak. He will not be able to walk. He will not be able to see. He'll be just a vegetable. So you can well imagine when I regained consciousness and began to ask a few questions and make demands about my comfort, they were in a state of shock. And they are still in a state of shock. But doctors have looked in my eyes and wept and said, you have defied all the laws of medical science. I said, no, I didn't. But I know the one who did. I know the one who did. I've said all of that to say this. I never had one second of fear. I was never afraid one second. I'm still not afraid. I'm ready to stay or I'm ready to go. It doesn't make any difference to me because I've got the best of both worlds. I've got the best of this world and I've got the best of the one to come. I'm out of here any day now by way of the grave or by the sound of a trumpet. And when we see him, it's going to be one glorious day when we look upon this one who hath redeemed us by his blood, by his love, by his power. Hallelujah! 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. A marvelous, a marvelous thing happened in Illinois back in March of this year. There was a prominent lady at Wheaton Bible College, which is a Baptist Bible College, uh, one of our people from the local church, Brother Yance's church, Brother Betcher's church there in the Chicago area, was a, also a student there at Wheaton. And they had a prayer group, a women's prayer group going on. 
And this apostolic Pentecostal from my church, Brother Yance's church, was in that prayer group. She just joined it to be a part of it to see what was happening. And they liked her spirit so much, they put her in charge of the prayer group. Well, when this all happened to me, she gave a prayer request that they would pray for me because I had dropped dead of a heart attack and had been raised from the dead. Well, they really prayed. Well, I was there in a meeting in March. At the end of that meeting, I was on my way to the airport. Brother Betcher said, Brother Stone King, he came down in the evangelistic quarters and he knocked the door and said, we've got a phone call. He said, there's this woman, Mary, from the prayer group at Wheaton Bible College. She's just been diagnosed with an aneurysm in the heart. She's going to, she had it for major surgery and she knows about you. She didn't realize you were in the city this weekend and she didn't get to come to the meeting, but she wants you to pray for her before you leave town. I said, well, how are we going to do it? I said, well, let's do this. You tell her to meet us at the church because the church was between where we were and the airport. I said, you just park the car. I'll get out. I'll run and meet her, pray for her, and we'll go on to the airport. He said, fine. He called her. That's exactly what we did. We raced to the church, got out, walked in, looked at a lady I'd never seen before, a very tall, gracious-looking lady. And what happened was I introduced myself, and I went over, and I said, just be seated here on this front pew. And so she was, and I said, I just wanted to tell you what Jesus has done for me. And I told her very quickly, okay? I said, do you believe when I lay hands on you and pray in Jesus' name that you'll be healed? And she said, yes. I said, then you will be. I took her hands just like this and began to pray in Jesus' name. When I did, she leaned her head forward and burst out speaking with tongues. God gave her the Holy Ghost. She just cri cried and wept. I could feel what I know, and I can't tell you what that is, but I could feel what I know go from me. I could feel it. I knew that God had touched her, that she was here. It was virtue, virtue. I could feel it go. I went my way. A week later, Brother Betcher called, said, Brother Stone King Mary has gone back to the hospital. They've re-examined her. They cannot find an aneurysm. There is nothing there. There is nothing there. Nothing there. So now, the whole school is asking, what is it about you people? What is it you've got? I'll tell you what it is about us. We've got something called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We've got a resurrection power inside of us. That is what we've got a hold of. The miraculous. People, the miraculous is upon us. I have said this a number of times, you may have heard it, but there is something hanging above us, like a mother heavy with child wanting to be delivered. The miraculous, the working of the miracles, signs and wonders, apostolic authority and power, it's in the very air above us. I can feel it in this audience tonight. There's something in the very air above us that wants to fall upon us, but we're going to have to welcome that. We're going to have to welcome that with open arms and open hearts. How many of you want this to fall upon us as a people. You know, we really could be here all night if God really got to moving. We could be here all night. Oh. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Something miraculous happened in Malaysia last year with Brother and Sister Willoughby at their uh, camp meeting they have there. I've seen a lot of things, but I've never seen anything quite like this. They had people there from Bangladesh. They were there from mainland China. Uh, they were th several people were there from the underground church. And uh, it was a total thrill and extremely convicting to meet them. If we get a little headache or there's a slight pain or it rains, we just stay home from church. Every time they go to church, their life is at stake. It may cost them their life, but they don't miss church. 
and they love God. They're not allowed to worship the way we do. They're not allowed to make noise. They can't be in groups of more than 10 or they're arrested and killed. Right now, your news don't tell you this here, but I have contacts. I know what's going on. It's terrible what's going on in mainland China. But those people, when they came, had never seen people dance and shout and cry and run. They just stood there, about 30 of them, and watched other Chinese and Americans and people from Bangladesh and all over that area. They watched people. And it was just amazing. You could tell by looking at their faces, they wanted to get into this. But they didn't know how. So they started like this. They had never clapped before. But they just sampled it to see if they could get the feel. That's what they did the first night. But the second night, it was more like, and they'd look at each other to see if each other's looking at each other, you know, like some of us do here. <laughs> they just, and then they got to crying. And then they stepped in the aisle. But by the fourth night, they were dancing in circles with their arms on each other's shoulders. They were falling on the floor. They were speaking with tongues. They were worshiping God. Oh, oh. Incredible, incredible. It took four nights. I only do what God tells me to do. I only do what he says. He told me to just teach a simple lesson on apostolic procedures to that camp meeting. So that's what I started with. It took four nights to finish one teaching session because the gift of faith kept falling every night and the Spirit of God came in and the it would just end the service. People got the Holy Ghost. There were miracles of healing. So the fourth night, I was trying to finish what I had begun the first night, and God was in that place. And I was down on the floor. Brother Willoughby's daughter was only about 16, about two years ago this happened. Only about, no, no, I'm sorry, 17. It was just this past um, December. She's just a 17-year-old teenager. She was seated over here about five rows back on a folding chair right on the aisle. I mentioned something about faith. When I did, she threw her hands in there and cried out, burst out in intercession prayer and fell on her knees out in the aisle and began to crawl on her hands and knees from where she was all the way to the front of that building. That girl is a prophetess. She's only 18 now, but she is a prophetess, that kid. Oh, she has a hold of God. When she was crawling by me, and the people were worshiping, so I wasn't preaching. I was just sort of worshiping a little and then watching. When she crawled by me, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, I have brought the office of a prophet and the office of an apostle into the air above these missionaries and preachers in this audience and it's here for them. I've never had him ever say anything like that to me in 42 years I've been in this. I simply in the mic said the office of a prophet is hanging above you in the air. God is going to impart it. If you've ever wanted to be a prophet, if you've ever wanted a prophetic ministry, if you've ever been interested in that realm, if you will stand and throw both hands in the air, that will fall on you instantaneously, so you'll walk out of here with it. I'm not exaggerating. Ladies and gentlemen, people, visitors, whoever you are, they came out of their seats like 
cannonballs. I mean, they were on their feet shouting. Well, Brother Cargando, who is the Filipino pastor of the daughter work there, he pastors 500 Filipinos under the will of this is the daughter work in the church there. Doji, his first name is Doji. Doji, he was the first out of his seat. He just came out like a cannonball and threw his hands in the air. But while he was standing there praying, he said, Jesus, I don't feel anything. He said, but I want to. And he raised his hands higher. And when he did, hands took a hold of his wrist and began to move his arms in a circular motion. He thought a preacher near him had stepped out and took a hold of him. So he continued, but all of a sudden he opened his eyes to see who the preacher was and there was no one standing there. It was an angel of God. He began to shake and tremble. This type of thing is now upon us as a people. It's beginning to happen in this country. It's beginning to happen. If you get a glimpse of this, it will change your attitude about coming to church because this should be the most exciting thing in all of your life. You're coming to the house of God and the miraculous and what God is about to do for us as a people and for you as an individual. I said to him, I said, have you told Brother and Sister Willoughby this? He said, no, Brother Strunkey. I said, come with me right now. He came with me. And I said, Brother Willoughby, Sister Willoughby, I said, listen to what he's got to say. He told them. They began to shake and tremble and cry. I, people, I've never seen anything like it. And there were men that walked out of there with those offices that night. It changed everything. I've never seen anyone do anything like that. So, and because of the times this year, God spoke to me and said, do it here. And so I did. It's incredible, the things that have happened since. But doing that, because of that, but during that service, the altar service, that Thursday night, because of the times, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, tell them about Doji and his hands circling, I thought. The altar service is going on here. So I thought, well, I got in the mic and I just quickly told the story and put the mic back and some people listened and carried on and then we went on. But I stepped off the platform, went over here and I came back in this area. Here's a man, probably about 50 years of age. His right hand is up like this, tears running down his face. And I felt to go to him. So I went to him, took a hold of his wrist and he said, Brother Stonking, he said, when you told that, something took a hold of my hand and pulled it up. He said, I can't pull it down. It won't go down. He said, but something, he said, I don't ever want to take it down the rest of my life. He was crying. He said, something like a light, like a warmth went down my hand, up my arm. He said, all the pain has left my chest. He said, I've been healed of a heart condition. He said, I can feel it. God miraculously touched him. That happened in America. It's happening now among us. And it's going to continue. But you're going to have to open your mind to it. You're going to have to open your heart to it. And you preachers are going to have to preach it. But if you preach it, you're going to get it. Because if you preach it, it will happen. Because the word of God will not return unto him void. Hallelujah. I feel like shouting. 
Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh. I'm coming. I'm coming to a close because God is about to do the miraculous. God is about to impart things here tonight. Would you lift your hands for a moment and just sincerely ask from your heart that you will never be the same again. Ask Jesus to help you to never be the same again. Just lift your voice. Let your voice out. Don't worry about your neighbor hearing. Just bear your heart. David said, I will pour my heart out before or to the Lord. Jesus, may I never be the same again. May we never be the same again. God bless these wonderful young people here tonight. God bless these saints here tonight. God bless these wonderful anointed men of God in this place tonight. Granted, Jesus, I pray, by the authority of the Word of God, by the power of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, by the authority of the Word of God, by the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, such as I have in the name of Jesus, such as I have. That's it, son. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it, man. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Right there. That's it. Right there. The thing you're looking for is a upon you. The thing you've been looking for is upon you. That's it. That's it. You've got it. You've got it. You've got it. Such as I have. Receive it. Yes. I command you to be healed in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I command you to be healed in the name of Jesus of Nazareth by the authority of the Word of God. The authority of the Word of God in the matchless, powerful name of Jesus. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yes. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, by the authority of the Word of God, by the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I command you to be healed in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Yes, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. If you're a preacher here tonight and you want a hold of what I'm talking about, you want to get a hold of the fivefold ministry, you want these offices in your life, if you will come tonight and lift your hands in the air, it will fall upon you. You will not be the same. You will walk out of here possessing an authority, an office, a power that you've never, ever had before in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. That's it. That's it. That's Yes!
name of Jesus, it's falling upon you. It's falling upon you as a people tonight. It's falling upon you as a people tonight. In the name of Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.